Hi everyone. Welcome back to Invisible Scars. This is Michelle Viapiano and tonight I am bringing back Gina, my friend Gina. Say hi Gina. Hi everyone. Uh, one of the one of the things that I wanted to talk about and and I discussed this with Gina is um, when I posted a couple of days ago on my Facebook page, I, I posted about the control episode and that whole the, the cycle of abuse. And I had so many people reach out to me and um, comment and text me and just post about it. And I think that we really um, struck a nerve there. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that and how, although he no longer controls my life or Jordan's life, he has some impact of control over me. And what I want to say is on Sunday, one of my friends sent me a message and she said, is this him? So she kind of was looking and she found a picture of him and I saw the picture and I felt like he was there, like he was kicking me in the stomach and it brought me right back to that feeling of weakness. And maybe an hour and a half later, Paul came downstairs and he's like, what's the matter? I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, something's, I could tell something was wrong. And I said, oh, well, maybe it's this. And I showed him that message. And he's like, oh, well, that makes sense. Because every time you see him or his name comes up, you kind of retreat back to that place. Yeah. And I think it's important to talk about that. And um, I know you and I have have similar um, reactions to, to seeing him or having to deal with him. So I just wanted to talk about that and, and how you and I slowly took back our own control. Absolutely. I, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I mean, when you talk about being kicked in the stomach, like I just, this feeling I get is just like an immediate sense of anxiety, mm -hmm. like an immediate stress, an immediate response to that person. And mm -hmm. like you said, I mean, thankfully we're not in court anymore and things have settled down a bit. So I think that has also played a role, but you know, I have to say, if he sends me a text and I'm not expecting mm -hmm. to hear from him, I still get that initial, oh my God, like, what is, what is it that he ha is going to say? Well, I don't even worry so much, like, did something happen to Juliana? And I don't know right. if that sounds good or bad or <laughs> indifferent, but I, 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 Think immediately, like, what is he going to do to upset me? What is he going to say to trigger me? And that's where I immediately go. 
Exactly. Me too. And, and I know a lot of times when you do have to deal with him, you will reach out to me and you'll say, how do I handle this? What do I do? Um, he's, it's making me crazy already. And, and that's without even talking to him. And right. That's trying to come up with, you know, I just have to prepare myself mentally. Exactly. And, and yeah. nothing that we do prepares us mentally for it because it's, we think that we're there and then we have to talk to him. And then it's like, oh my God, he still, he still can do it somehow, you know? You know, absolutely. And, absolutely. you know, I was, I was reading that there, that are, there are seven, seven damaging effects, damaging of, effects emotional of emotional abuse. abuse. Mm -hmm. One is, one is numbness where it's easier to feel nothing than to, you know, deal with the pain or the, the anger. Then there's resentment and aggression, which leads to, um, passive aggressive comments, sleep disorders, substance abuse, trust issues, underperformance, anxiety, depression, and suicidal behaviors. And I can tell you that I know you and I both are dealing with at least five of these lasting effects of emotional abuse. And oh, easily. The, the biggest one is uh, the, the anxiety um, and depression. And I've, I notice it with Jordan as well. And it's triggered by any interaction with him. And I don't know if you notice it at all with Juliana, but it's definitely there. And it's, it's important to, to deal with it and to talk about it. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's one of those things that once you have that experience, you actually use the word yourself. Um, you know, it's traumatic. It's a trauma that you go through. And although not physical, the emotional impact of it is, is always just going to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, even with physical abuse and I, I have to say, I, I thank God he never put his hands on me because I can't even imagine that level of abuse. That's a, a whole other animal. Um, and I'm thankful that I didn't go through that. But, you know, emotional abuse is, is damaging in mm -hmm. so many different ways um, that, you know, it can set uh, the simplest of things can set any person off if they've been through an experience like we have. Exactly. And <clears throat> one thing we were talking about. Um, earlier was, uh, I think it was about two weeks ago. Um, he, I guess, wanted to uh, friend Jordan on some social media platform. platform. And yeah. I instantly said, absolutely not. And she's like, why? She's like, why? I'm here. I'm you know, you have custody of me. It doesn't matter anymore. And the the thing is that there is always a method to his madness. And if he friended her, 
on social media, it's because he wanted to either know what was going on in my life or your life or her right. life or his family. Or his family. It's always to try to find out some piece of information. Correct. Without a doubt. Yeah, I agree. And I, I feel bad saying to her, please don't. And if you do, let me know, because then I need to change some stuff on my social media. Because I don't want him in my life at all. At, at all. And I think she finally understood what he was doing, but she has a really hard time accepting how um, manipulative he is and that he's very, very maniacal about every step he makes or takes. Yeah, there's always an underlying agenda. Always, always. And you and I, you know, we spoke about this too. And he never thought that we would stand up to him. He never thought that I would. And then uh, I did. And, And when it came time for you, you stood up to him. And I remember how many times he accused us of ganging up on him. Yeah. And it wasn't about that. It was we needed each other because we had both, we were both going through the same exact thing. Right. It had nothing to do with, excuse me, you know, um, he, like you said, thought we had this vendetta against him. And Mm -hmm. I mean, if you (laughs) consider, you know, spending thousands and thousands of dollars on lawyers and, court time and i mean that's just absurd you know? know maybe there are people that go to those lengths but i can think of a lot of better ways to to have spent my time and money i know it was a lot of money and you know i remember you telling me i you could have put a a, a nice deposit on a house with the amount of money that you spent and you know and is it worth it and at the end of the day yeah it's worth it because we know that we can say we did everything possible for our kids, you know, but to your point, we didn't do it to gang up on him. And Gina, it looks like you're muted for some reason. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I can hear you. Yep. Um, so I was, I was just saying that, you know, we, despite what, what he might think, we didn't do it to gang up on him. And I don't know if you had said anything after that. No, other than I agree with you, you know, we needed each other in a way that only each other could understand. Mm -hmm. I, I can't, say that I didn't have close friends and family that were a hundred percent supportive of me because that wouldn't be true. But I did not know anyone who knew him the way you did and lived through these same types of experiences as, as you did. And 
obviously being the same one person, like we couldn't Mm -hmm. better relate to one another. Exactly. So, I mean, it really was about surviving and supporting someone, you know, and needing, I desperately needed the support. I don't know that I could have gotten through all of it without, you know, I know you and the therapy I went through and, you know, realizing I wasn't crazy because I really did at one point think that maybe I was. I know. I know. I did too. I really did. And, and that's, I think that's the worst part of this type of abuse. It really makes you question yourself and, and it makes you live up to that low expectation that they, that they place upon you. Right. Um, yesterday was Juliana's birthday. And we are all in quarantine, as everybody knows. And uh, Jordan and, and you organized a birthday parade yeah. for Juliana. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, it was really nice. Um, Jordan had reached out to me to, you know, see what I was doing for her sister's birthday. And, um, it obviously was hard to really plan anything without, um, being able to get together as family or friends. And I, you know, knew that was something that Juliana would want, but, um, we were able to organize a parade like some of you may have seen on Facebook or other, um, media and, um, Jordan agreed, you know, I didn't want to have the police come and put their Mm -hmm. sirens on or the fire, um, trucks or whatever, because we both agreed what is important to Juliana is her family and friends. So, We were able to organize just that, and it was beautiful, Mm -hmm. and it meant the world to Juliana, and it was her sister, her brother, her cousins, her uncle, a couple of her closest friends, Mm -hmm. and it it just was awesome. Um, She couldn't have been happier, and Mm -hmm. just that we can... You know, after all this time and all these years later and experiences that, you know, we are able to have those relationships mm-hmm. and be a family and we're all connected by this one person, yet none of us have anything to do with him. Correct. Correct. Anymore. And... Unfortunately, he always comes up in conversation. Yeah, it's almost inevitable. um, Yeah, how can it not, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because he affected so many people. Yep. And, sorry, go ahead. No, I just was going to say, he hurt a lot of people. I mean, you're talking brothers, his own children, mm-hmm. uh, girlfriends, 
wife, you know, people that are supposed to be the most important people in someone's life. And he has taken that and it blows my mind. I don't know another human being, and I hope I never do, like him, that would throw that all away as easily as he did. And I don't know if that's where we were going with this part of the conversation, Mm -hmm. but here we are. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah. And, and part of, part of where I was going is um, when, when I saw his brothers yesterday, he looked at me and said, um, I've been listening to your podcast, Belle. And well, that's what they called me. Um, They used to call me Belle because there were too many Michelles in our family at the time. So um, I said, well, how is it? And he's like, I'll be honest with you. It's been very hard to listen to. Mm -hmm. And I was like, do you hate, you know, I hope you don't hate me. And he looks at me and he says, why would I hate you? And I said, well, um, I'm talking about all of this stuff that I went through and it's hard to hear. And that's, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to address that is because again, as someone who went through it, I initially felt that uh, maybe what I did was wrong, or maybe I shouldn't have done this podcast and brought it out in the open for people to hear. And he just, he looked at me and he's like, I, I could never hate you. You know, I, it, that was my brother. I, I am so embarrassed that that is the stuff that happened to you. And I didn't know about it. Right. And when he said that, I was just like, oh my God, you know, it, it just proves that all that time he made it seem like it was me and his family and friends all thought I was always in a bad mood and, and nasty. And, you know, um, I would isolate myself. And most of the time that was just a reaction to something he had just said to me. Right. And, you know, we're talking, I mean, how many, I left when Jordan was six. So we're talking almost 15 years ago. Right. And I, I still feel that. But the power of all of us staying together as a family is amazing because it's his family. And he has completely removed himself from it. It's mm-hmm. It's really crazy. And then, you know, afterwards for the people that couldn't be there, we did a Zoom call and got everyone together. That was fun. Um, So, you know, I I try not to talk about it and we didn't want to talk about it, but it always comes up at some point, you know, it it has to be addressed. It's like the the elephant in the room, you know, Um, and now that things are coming to the surface, it's going to happen even more. They're going to ask you and I some more questions and did that really happen? And, and, um, I remember one of his other brothers said, are you, the stuff that you're talking about, was that from my brother? And I was like, yeah. And he just looked at me and he's like, oh my God, I had no idea. So it just kind of validated, um, a lot of stuff for me. 
And at the same time, I was happy that I could still be sitting here with you, with your daughter, with his brother, his kids, his nieces. And it was like we were supposed to all be together. Like that was normal. It was, I don't know, it's just, I'm happy that we have that kind of relationship. It's amazing. I mean, whenever I tell, whether it's a coworker or an acquaintance, you know, when I start sharing stories, whatever, if it happens to come up, it cracks me up because people are amazed and will look at you like, you're, wait, what? You're friends with his ex? Mm-hmm. Are you going to our house? Huh? And it, it just, it cracks me up because, you know, people are just really dumbfounded. I, I mean, know. They don't believe that such a thing exists or, or can happen, you know, that we're friends with his children that he doesn't even talk to or his siblings. It just, who does that? It it takes a very special is, you know, yeah. An overstatement. (laughs) It takes a very special person though, to have those qualities. And it's, it's amazing because a lot of people don't see it. And we had talked about it. Michelle, um, about, you know, how, you know, everybody just thinks, you know, they're a good guy. They had no idea. Um, you know, these kinds of things, they don't portray to other people. Right. They, they hide behind a mask and it's when you're within your own four walls that they become this person that nobody else seems to have any idea about. And that's where the trouble lies is within the four walls of, of that person's home where they probably only have control there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the other day you posted um, something about uh, one of her birthdays. I think it was three years ago, you know, when we were at the farm. And mm-hmm. the comment that I made the other day was, oh, my God, do you remember how scared we were? And nobody either picked up on it or knew what the heck I was talking about. But you and I do. And if you yeah. remember, your um, Jordan came to that party. Your yes. mother was at that party. And your sister was at that party. Right. And we were so afraid. That he, we didn't want to post any pictures because we did not want him to know that Jordan or I was at a party for Juliana or let alone that we were able to talk to your mom and your sister. And it was such a fear that we can't even. Oh, totally. It's birthday and post pictures. And, and it was, it was unbelievable difference now three years later we were out there under quarantine taking pictures posting videos um and it's just it's just a relief that we can you know live our lives and not 
he's so afraid of him. But at the same time, I don't know about you, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, when are we going to hear about this? You know, like, is, is something going to oh, come please. up? Well, not for nothing, but so Juliana is actually with her father tonight. And okay. I can't help but think, like, when I dropped her off um, for school or her whatever after-school program that's keeping her while I'm at work mm -hmm. during the quarantine, she was so thrilled about her birthday. She couldn't stop talking about it. Mm -hmm. Like, she went to bed with a smile on her face like no other. And she couldn't wait to tell all her friends and family. Yes. Yeah. You know, or her friends, I should say, mm -hmm. um, you know, about her birthday party and what we did for her. And all I could think of was, oh, my gosh, I can't wait for her. You know, her father is going to ask yep. what we did or what mm -hmm. I did for her birthday. And how can that be avoided? Like, right. what was the highlight of her day? And you know, he's going to ask who was there. Exactly. And she's clueless because she's not try to not talk about him in her presence mm -hmm. um, as much as I can only because it really upsets her. Right. And she has this, you know, totally different vision of her father, which, you know, and she'll eventually learn for herself, um, you know, what type of person he's, he is. But anyway, um, you know, it, it made me kind of, smile to myself because there's no way around it. Like mm -hmm. it's not like we do it on purpose. It's just, we are one big family and extended family. And if, you know, today is the type of, you know, day and age where blended families are the norm right. and we are an exception to that and how blended and how extended <laughs> this family is. And it cracks me up, but like, I just can imagine the conversations happening at the house, house right now. I know. <laughs> what must be going through his mind thinking they're still at it. They're yeah. still getting together. They're still like, I don't know. I could go on and on. I know. I, I know. I don't imagine. Um, what must go through his mind. I know. And then, and sometimes I, I think to myself, I bet nothing goes through his mind. I, I wonder half the time if he is affected as much as we are, or if he just shrugs it off, you know, but at the same time, I feel like it's gotta be burning his behind that, this is how we chose to extent, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, certainly it's not my, um, plan, right. But, you know, people who are like him, they often are very detached from emotions. So it's hard to know, like maybe it probably doesn't affect him. Like we're thinking right now um, because it's more a thing about control, um, you know, back to that right. topic, um, you know, and it's nothing really for him to have control over other than it probably just is annoying. 
Because he does, because he can't control it. Right. Because he absolutely, he can't control it. He can't. And that sets him off. And so, so let's touch base on some of the things that you did and, and, and I did um, to slowly take back some control over our own lives. And one thing that we touched on a couple of weeks ago was, you know, he tracked your phone. He knew every conversation we had. He knew every text, every time I called, every time you called me, every email. Uh, I remember you, you saying to me, oh my God, he called me and asked me why was I getting gas in, uh, you know, this one area of New Jersey. Yeah. In Mawa. And, um, it was, it was scary. And so there was some, one of the things that you did, um, to kind of take that away from him, if you wanted, if you could touch base was like what you did with your phone and stuff. Right. So I very vividly remember, you know, um, so many different times, not even just once or twice, but there were so many times he came at me with a conversation I had had with somebody else, whether it was you or um, his now, his girlfriend now, her ex-husband, who I was very close to at the time. Um, He had knowledge of conversations that I had, I just had no idea how it was even possible. But I'll, I'll never forget. I never said anything, but it dawned on me, obviously, you know, we were, we were in the midst of divorce. We were still married and we had always been on the same phone plan. So I remember as a way to disconnect myself from him to be able to know what was going on. Um, I ended up going and opening my own account with, um, my phone plan Mm -hmm. and I had them completely remove me from the family plan because not only was I on the family plan, but you know, his dad, one of his brothers, all the kids. Mm -hmm. And here I am, you know, my money was paying for all these, you know, phone lines Mm -hmm. aside from him being every step of my personal business when I was trying to detach myself. And I never said anything to him until he obviously figured out for himself that I had taken myself off the phone. He obviously couldn't access the information the same way he had been able to, and he called me on it. But there was nothing he could do about it. Right. I kept my phone number. I just put myself on a separate plan. plan. Oh, oh my God. I forgot about this. I remember too. I forgot about this until now, Michelle. What? I remember as I slowly made different changes, I got a PO box. Oh, yes. And made sure that because he would, I didn't know. Go through the mail. He would make sure to get home to get the mail before me. Um, He would go through it, open it, um, whether his name was on it or not, which I had nothing to hide there. But it was just another way to slowly 
find my way and and take some control over my life while right. I was going through the worst time in my life. So um, the phone was a huge thing, getting my own P.O. box because there was no way he could track that down. He had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the killer was, <clears throat> I'll never forget, I had direct deposit at the time and we had a shared bank account. Yep. And I'm glad I never listened to my lawyer because she would have had me not change anything. Um, but I went to the bank and I opened up my own account. I withdrew, you know, whatever money was mine. I don't even think I did that. My parents had lent me money (laughs) and I opened an account with that because I had to hire my lawyer. But then moving forward, I also had my direct deposit from, you know, my work checks changed to this new account. And that, oh my God, I'll never forget that. He was not happy. His lawyer called mine as soon as he found that out. And that was, you know, obviously the first paycheck that he saw wasn't deposited. He was livid, Mm -hmm. livid. Mm -hmm. Money was always a way and still is a way to get to him. It's all about money. Yes, totally. And I, I remember when, uh, when I made that decision to leave, we did, we also had a joint checking account and I decided to go to the bank, um, before everything happened. And I took out half the money because half of it was mine. And I knew that once he knew I was leaving, he would, he would have done the same thing. And I needed to control that. I could not let him have that over me. And I'll never forget that day. I went in and I withdrew the money and I, it was like I robbed the bank, but at the same time, it was, it was my money, you know, you had to do it for your own survival. I had to do it. Yeah. For me it, and, and Jordan. Absolutely. Cause you needed, I know for me, you know, I needed to be able to slowly start squirreling money yes, away yes. so that when I did move out because there was no turning back at that point, you know, I had to start saving money and otherwise my paycheck was going to, you know, his bills, his bills, you know, things that, you know, he, he used that money to pay whatever bills he felt like he was in charge of all the bills when we were married and living together. And I never questioned anything until then. And I, I had to do it because he would, you know, save money and put it aside for God only knows what, you know, and I just didn't trust him with my money. And it was the best, one of the best things I could have done, um, to take some control back. And, and that was a painful one for him. I know. Sure. And um, on my last episode, the one thing that I <clears throat> talked about was that I didn't even realize was a form of emotional abuse was when that person exerts financial control over the other person. And he did it with me. And I'm so glad that you brought it up because he did it with you as well. Um, you know, and and when it happened... We didn't even realize it for, I know for me, I didn't even realize that was happening. 
I was just like, yeah, you know, we, we live together. We share the house. We share the bills. Everything was in his name. Everything was in his name. And yeah. I know, uh, you know, after you had started to go through the divorce, I remember you called me and said, oh, my God, he questioned every, everything that you bought at Walmart. And I was like, what? How did he know? And we don't have to go into the details. But oh, no, we have to. This no. will make people laugh. <laughs> it's embarrassing to me, but I'm willing to do it at the expense uh, of you. Go ahead. If you want to. The end of this laugh, it was the best. It really was. It really <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I totally forgot about that. So, okay. So, I remember... I think it was him and I and our two lawyers, we were in a private room at the court mm -hmm. um, and we were, we had to discuss something amongst ourselves. The, the judge had called us out of the room to work on a few things and figure it out for ourselves and blah, blah, blah. So in this little meeting, he decides to bring up, as you mentioned, this uh, trip to Walmart I had made. And I, I remember, I mean, I would go and I would buy food and other things, whatever I needed. And I think he thought he was going to get the best of me and, and embarrass me. And it's funny because I really wasn't embarrassed at the time. I actually found it very amusing. Mm -hmm. he, <laughs> he brought up that I had purchased KY jelly for $19.99. <laughs> and oh, my, oh god. my god, it was hilarious because he, you know, he <laughs> thought he was going to embarrass me. And along with that, he mentioned, I forget what else. That was, that was the one that, that you was know, the one that stood out. There was something else I remember, but that was the, that was the best. That was, that was the best. And I'll, I'll never forget like talking to my lawyer after the fact, because I was just like, whatever, a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do. <laughs> that was great. And, you know, at the end of that meeting, she's like, here's your $19.99 plus X, Y, and Z for the KY jelly. And she had me write out a check, matter of fact, and be like, here, you loser. Here's your uh, money. Here oh you go. That's great. In the end, he didn't, you know, he got his money back mm -hmm. and it wasn't a big deal. And I showed no, like, embarrassment at the time, but it, it was pretty damn funny. <laughs> it was funny. And and I will never forget that. I think that was one of the funniest <laughs> Thanks for conversations that we oh had. Oh my God, that was awesome. I know. Hey, you got to laugh when you can with this whole crap. Do you, do you recall, um, I can't remember what the occasion was, but you guys were all at my house and this was when everything was kind of new with not speaking to the older kids and, and, and everything, and just kind of, uh, approaching the, um, the time when we were, when Jordan was writing her, uh, her letter, uh, her affidavit against him and, and trying to get out of the house. We were all at my house. We had, we were having dinner. It was me and you, all of the kids, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever. And we were eating dinner and all of a sudden they realized that 
he was tracking them. Do you remember that? Because they were still all on his own plan. And they looked at each other and they were like, oh my God, what's wrong with us? Do you remember that? It was like, now that you bring it up, I I do. I can see us all sitting at the island and talking about it. And I'm sure, I mean, it's just not something a normal person would think about that they have to worry about, you know, but. At the same time, he had, that was how he, you know, controlled people, you know, everybody owing him money. He, you know, because they were on the phone plan or for this or for that, or he had a way, I found it very interesting. I felt like he was always like shuffling money around from Mm -hmm. one place to the next and you know, I, in the end, I don't think he was financially stable. Like, I for sure feel like he needed me to survive right. and keep the home that he had. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, there's no way. Living there Mm-mm. on no his way. own. He needed that income, which is why I think it was such a blow to his ego, you know, in taking financial control back because he needed that. I agree. Part of his survival, you know, and his kids' survival. And it's not that I was taking it away from his kids, but I mean, I paid my half as long as I lived there, but he couldn't use it towards other things. Other things, right. Didn't have that liberty. I took that away from him because it was, you know, it was mine. Yep. And I, you know, when you brought up earlier, um, you know, that we both went through this type of financial thing. I mean, you got to think about the women out there who, unlike ourselves, you know, who who might not be working, women, mm-hmm. right? Women who are actually, you know, stay-at-home moms raising the kids, and I, I don't have an answer for it. So um, maybe it's, you know, not best to bring up since I don't have an answer. But what do they do? Um, you know, that's something that it is, you know, something these types of people feed on. And, you know, if you don't have your own income, it does stop a lot of people from being able to get up and leave. Right. It does. And, and it's, I know that we don't have the answer, but, you know, if there's, if there's anyone listening that is going through it and they, they have questions, you know, feel free to, you know, send a message or comment and, you know, share with us what's, what you're doing and and how you're surviving in that type of situation, because I, I can't even begin to imagine. And I think, uh, one of the last things with, with the money that I wanted to touch, especially now because it's tax time, right? So in the beginning, the whole time I was with him, I claimed Jordan as a dependent on my taxes. He claimed his son and his ex claimed her daughter. And Mm -hmm. 
when it got to a point where, you know, she couldn't claim her daughter anymore. I, I believe, and I, I don't know for a fact, but my, my gut is usually correct with this. She started mm-hmm. claiming her son and he instantly started to think he was entitled to claim Jordan. And he didn't have a conversation, have a conversation with, me. with me. And I and did, I my, taxes, did my taxes and it was and rejected was- because she was already claimed on his uh, tax return. Right. So I had to I had to redo my taxes and I tried to talk to him about it. And he's like, well, you know, she's you know, she uses my address for whatever. And I said, it clearly states in the agreement that your address is used primarily for purpose of school only. It said that right in the the court document. Yeah, he did it again the next year. And um, our our accountant was like, you need to do something with this. You have to address this. But there was never anything that I could do. I, I tried, you know, try calling the IRS or trying to resolve something. Well, by the third year um, that he did it, it ended up causing this red flag. And then I ended up being audited because they thought that either Jordan wasn't mine or I was making up Marissa. It was the craziest, craziest thing. And you know, now I can't even claim her. It doesn't even matter. But the point is that he always found a way to to hit me financially. And I know that this came up recently with you with the taxes, right? Right. Because I, you know, in all the things we had to fight over in our divorce, it didn't, it never even occurred to me, you know, um, to be able to claim our hundred percent, um, mm-hmm. at the time, unfortunately, you know, when we did settle things, we pretty much had a 50, 50 schedule with Juliana. So it, it really wasn't something I, I don't think I, I could ask for now I have her more and wish I could, um, you know, take that back, but it, it's, that would involve another court process. And I mean, it's just financially so much is ridiculous financially. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he knew exactly what he was doing on his part because he always, like you said, did the taxes and, you know, was always savvy financially, um, where I had never had a kid before. I didn't, you know, know what kind of benefits as far as, you know, the end of the tax year. Um, and I, I see it now, you know, know. Mm -hmm. um, now that I have to, you know, change my, remember how many people paid him to do their taxes? Oh my God. So many. And he's not even a, he's not an accountant. Accountant, no. And he would he would do the uh, turbo tax, and people would pay him, including his family, would pay him to do their taxes. And he yeah. made out like a bandit with all this money that he made, and that's why he always went on vacation in February, if you remember, you know, like, and he went away that's with the guys, point, because he had the money. And uh, dear God, anyway. Anyway, one thing that you and I were talking about earlier was, um, you know, he didn't think we had the courage or the strength to stand up to him. 
And you had said that, you know, if you could just touch on it, because we're almost at the end, but you had said something about maybe you weren't as, as strong as me or you were weak. Can you just touch on that quickly on what we talked about before? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've never been one to be shy about um, saying that I suffer from anxiety and depression. And I, you know, in getting to know him at the very beginning, had been open about that. Um, I don't think it came up in our first podcast, but I was getting over the major love of my life at the time when I met him mm-hmm. on vacation. And so I was definitely in a place of just trying to find myself and right. was definitely depressed. And I was very open about it, you know, and he he preyed on that. And um, I was never one to have ever much self-confidence. Um, and in knowing that I had the anxiety, the depression, could see I wasn't a self-confident person, you know, these are the types of things people like him, you know, look for in a partner. And, um, I mean, there's just so many things that they can, they take advantage of because they know that you're vulnerable, but, you know, certainly in taking back control, it was the most empowering thing. And, and just, you know, I'm not sure where to, like, you know, I, well, I, I think the thing that you had said to me, uh, was you, you always felt like, I think you said you felt like you were weak or you never saw yourself as strong. And you said, I don't know about you before all of this. But the one thing that stood out to me was the reality is, you know, maybe he thought we both were were weak, but he had no idea how strong we truly were. So and he he thought he could use that against that against us. Right. And it blew and up then, in his face. Yeah, I I just know that I felt like he was purposely trying to break me. Mm-hmm. And it was either, it was black and white. It was either I was going to break or I was going to fight back. And I know we talked about this too, and I'm just going to bring it up briefly, but besides, you know, changing therapists and have people tell me over and over again that I wasn't crazy. What really helped me, um, through my divorce, I forget where it was brought to my attention, but I found this book, um, called the verbally abusive relationship. And it really put everything I was going into, into perspective. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget. I still try to bring it up to your daughter, Michelle. You bought us all a copy. Bought everybody a copy. It changed my life. It helped me realize what I was going through was not in my head. It was 
real, true tactics that verbally abusive people use to make you think you're crazy and to try to break you down, to try to have that control over you. And it honestly changed my life and Mm -hmm. helped me realize what I was going through and made sense of it all. That's the only way I can describe it. It helped make sense of everything I was going through. And Mm -hmm. I realized this is not something I'm making up. Like, this is real. This is something that- That other people are going through. Yeah, like- And then obviously with your experience and our- understanding of one another for our experiences with the same person, it just solidified everything and gave me the power to, to use what I, whatever it was I needed to fight back. And I've never felt stronger in my life. I, I think God, you know, they we say, and I truly believe God puts us through certain experiences in our lives to help us realize certain potentials of, of our being. And this was something I always lacked was self-confidence. And I've never felt better in my life about what I can accomplish and know that I have it in me. We all have it in us and we all have the ability to walk away and I'm dating somebody right now and I talked to him before we got on this call and he's like, make sure you don't cry, make sure, you know, be strong. (laughs) And uh, because I can cry at the drop of a hat, as you know, Michelle. I know. And uh, I said, no, I'm not going to cry. He's like, you know, you are doing this so that you can help people. You want to help. Other people come mm-hmm. through the other side of this and help them believe that they have it within themselves too, that they can get through whatever it is they're going through. Definitely. And I'll just finish with that and let you, you know. Yeah, I I remember how um, passionate you are about that book because you, once you read it, like you always, I felt like I... I always had to tell you that you weren't crazy because I, I knew it from my own experience. And then once you read that book, you finally believed it. And it wasn't just me telling you, you realized that there were other people going through this and that it, it, it really wasn't, it wasn't you, despite the fact that, um, they beat us down and, and make us feel like we are not worthy of anything. And they, they make us believe that, you know, we're just, I don't know, just, I can't even, I can't even think of the word, but that we live up to their extremely low expectation of us. Um, But when you read that book, it totally, it did change you. You, you, you had an easier time emailing him back and, and standing up and, and, Fighting for yourself and your daughter. And I really do swear by it. And I know I posted it um, 
you know, as, as a book on one of the comments to somebody here um, on Invisible Scars. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I recently forwarded this to a friend who's going through some serious relationship issues. As a matter of fact, she's since texted me to see if I can talk to her. Good. <laughs> she is trying to break free from somebody who um, is this type of person. Mm-hmm. And I've recommended this book so many times. Um, I don't want anybody to think like I'm getting any kickback, but I just, if anybody is interested, like I said, it's called The Verbally Abusive Relationship. Um, And it's written by a woman. Her name is Patricia Evans, if you, you know, were to want to check it out. But it really made a big difference for me personally. Um, And I can't say enough about it you know, just to help somebody make sense of what they might be experiencing. Definitely. Definitely. And, and again, um, we, we are having this conversation because people need to have these conversations. They need to know that this is real. They need to know that they can come out of it and they have to, they have to believe it. You know, we, I know talking to you, however many years ago in 2014, how many times we cried and you said, I, um, I, I miss, I miss the kids. I, I don't want them to hate me. I don't want this. And I said, give it time, give it time, give it time. And within a couple of years, we were, you were in the place where I had finally settled, where the kids would talk to me and the kids realized that it wasn't me and that I didn't leave them. I left him. And, and you even said to me, you know, I hate that I don't have a relationship with, especially with Jordan, because Jordan was so young when you started this relationship. And I, I want people to know that it may not happen overnight. It might take a couple of months or, and it might take a couple of years. It took me a couple of years and it took Gina a couple of years, but finally something clicks and they realize that it's not you as well. And you will get back that piece that you walked away from when you left your abuser. And, you know, the worst thing to do is to stay because of the family or because of the kids or whatever, it is, it's so hard to come out of it in a positive way, but you can come out of it in a positive way. It takes work, it takes time and it takes support. And, um, we'll, I'm going to post some stuff on, uh, with the podcast so that, uh, if anyone needs to reach out to anyone or wants to talk or check out, the Facebook page, um, so that everyone kind of has a place to go, but, um, it's definitely possible. And, um, you know, the impact of this type of abuse lasts for a very long time. I don't, I don't think it's ever going to go away. It's never going to leave you or me or our kids or the rest of that family, but we can get through it and we got through it together. So, um, Thank you so much. You'll probably be another episode because we have so many things. 
I know we could um, talk forever and ever. We could talk forever, but there's there's just so many important things that I want to you know I want to get out there, and you know the purpose of this is not to talk about anyone or hurt anyone. It's to let people know that you can get through it and you can get out. So thank you again, Gina. You know I love you. Anytime. Love you too. So we'll be back again. And and thank you for listening to Invisible Scars. Talk to you soon. Never Alone Again, Domestic Violence Organization and Resource Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that was created in 1999 to offer empathetic support for victims of domestic abuse. Motivated by personal experience and the awareness of a need for a safe haven, NAG was developed. We are a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to providing high quality and individually tailored support services to victims and survivors of domestic violence abuse and families in need. www.neveraloneagain.org